The Wolves, they stay hot and they take down the last undefeated team remaining in an absolute overtime thriller. I got Wolves expert Jack Borman to help me break it out down. And it's coming up next on the Locked On Wolves postcast. You are Locked On Wolves postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The Wolves take care of business tonight versus the best in the biz, the Boston Celtics. They move to four and two on the season. They win their third in a row. What's happening, everyone? We're back in the lab, back at it with another T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Jack Borman, co-host of the Minnesota Basketball Party each and every week on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota channel. Make sure you go follow him on X at JRBorman13. And Jack, before we jump into all the action tonight, quick reminder, this episode is brought to us by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. All right, brother. Just like we all planned, right? Let's just jump right into this one because we just watched an absolute breathtaking win and a statement game if you're this Wolves team who's now knocked off two of the best teams in the NBA in the past seven days with the Celtics and the Nuggets. Let's just start with your biggest takeaways. What you saw from tonight from the T-Wolves at home, in the backyard, at the Target Center. Yeah, my biggest takeaway really is that you know, Anthony Edwards and Jade McDaniels brought this game back from the brink and and really that they, they brought this game back from the brink because Carl Anthony Towns put it there. Um, And, you know, I think if we want to start in that fourth quarter, um, the Wolves had a seven point lead, I believe it was 85 to 78. And and they had a stop and an outlet pass ready to go. And Carl threw it out of bounds, um, which probably would have been either two or three points going the other way. And then, um, you know, and then the, the Celtics go on a 10-0 run after that to retake the lead. Uh, and then what do you know? Anthony Edwards comes back in the game. The Timberwolves go, um, you know, go on a run, walks into that three. Um, and, and then two has a huge play to, to lock up Jason Tatum and then kind of dances with Porzingis in the corner before finding McDaniels for three um, on the wing to, to kind of steal three points right back and, and retake the lead there. Um, the two of them combined for 25 of the, of the team's 29 points in the fourth quarter in overtime. Uh, Jane McDaniels and Anthony Edwards did. So um, just really, really poised performance from two young players that um, that are really quickly becoming ascendant stars in this league. Yeah, well said. 24 turnovers on the night, as you mentioned, and the Celtics cashed in with 26 points off them. About as bad as you can get, really, on paper anyways, when you look at the box score the next morning. Um, the Wolves held opponents to under 100 points in four of their first five games coming into tonight. The Celtics, meanwhile, they're averaging a buck 26 per game coming in. The Wolves hold them to 101 points through regulation. An absolute gritty performance by them tonight. What's been the catalyst to this stifling defense through six games, in your opinion? It's been Rudy Gobert. Um, You know, he's been flying around in a way that he wasn't able to last year because he wasn't healthy. He had... Um, a, a lingering knee injury from from playing in Eurobasket last summer that then turned into an ankle issue and then a back issue in the playoffs and 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 I've I've watched a lot of Rudy Gobert in, in my time when he was winning Defensive Players of the Year awards um, and I've never seen him 
look this quick flying around the perimeter at age 31, which is incredible after what he went through last year. Um, the way that he's flying out on the perimeter and contesting shots, the way he's handling, you know, defending these, these stud wings and ball handlers uh, in isolation on the perimeter and holding his own and then still able to get back uh, and, and protect the rim the way he is before closing it out with rebounds um, has just been incredible. Um, and when, and, and there's a very, you know, noticeable hesitation from players on the floor when, when Gobert is around the rim that they just don't even want to attack him inside or when they do, everything is rushed and they, they're thinking, you know, Rudy Gobert is, is in their mind, you know, whenever they're getting into the paint, looking to shoot, looking to pass, looking to do anything. And that intimidation factor makes life so much easier for, for the Timberwolves perimeter defenders um, who in their own right were fantastic tonight. You saw Anthony Edwards played probably the best defensive game he's played all season, playing Jalen Brown, someone he's, whom he's very close with. Another Adidas guy is also from Atlanta. Um, saw those those big possessions he had on Tatum. Um, and, and obviously McDaniels and, and Alexander Walker were, again, fantastic um, in containing uh, ball handlers on the perimeter. So everything starts with Rudy Gobert. And, and then certainly when you get the perimeter defense that, that you get tonight from the Timberwolves guards, it's it's got all the makings of a team that should be the best defensive team in the league. And we've seen it so far this season. Yeah, 100% well said. I, I want to spend, just because it's been so good, another 60 seconds on this defense. And I hate to put you on the spot, but you're my analytics guy. Can we get nerdy for a minute or two? Can you give the, the fans and listeners some sort of analytics or stats as far as where and how this defense has really shined thus far? Because I know, I know there's multiple categories that they rank top five, if not number one overall in certain categories in the league coming into tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the number one defense in the league, um, and, and that's, you know, not a surprise, obviously, but but while the Timberwolves are, are an elite half-court defensive team, we've seen that so far, um, the Timberwolves are the number two rated transition defense in the NBA this year, meaning that when opponents do get into transition, the Timberwolves do an excellent job of preventing those those uh, possessions from turning into baskets, which is something that, that Chris Finch really credited new assistant coach Corliss Williamson for. Um, and, and the other part of that, too, is, is that the Timberwolves are just rebounding really, really well. Um, they're top five in, in the league in, in defensive rebounding right now. Um, and, and when you're able to, to force tough shots and then close out possessions the way that the Timberwolves are, um, you know, that's obviously a big change from last year. They forced a lot of tough shots last year. They just couldn't rebound to save their lives. Um, and now they're doing that at a really, really high level. Um, and, you know, they didn't do a great job of it tonight with how many offensive rebounds and second chance points they allowed. I believe they allowed 11 offensive rebounds and 14 second chance points, which, which isn't great. But, you know, when a team like Boston is shooting 39 threes in a game, it's, it's much more difficult to, to rebound threes than twos. And, um, so again, it's it's just the more the Timberwolves can can force teams into taking twos versus threes, the better chance they're going to have a rebounding and, and closing out possessions. Yeah, transition defense, as you mentioned, for the Wolves. Celtics had seven fast break points right out the gate. They had two the rest of the game. Unless I missed one, they had two the rest of the game. Absolutely unbelievable defensive performance by this team tonight. Just as, as gritty as it gets versus one of, if not the best offense in the league right now. So if this team is going to go where we all want it to go, does it need to be led and driven by the defense as the catalyst? Even with all the offensive potential, end of the day, the defense is the identity of the Minnesota Timberwolves without a doubt. Is that fair to say? Without a shadow of a doubt. Yep. And, and Chris Finch said it the other night after after the win, 
um, over the Jazz and that he said, you know, he's he's been a part of teams that are the best offensive team in the league where even on nights when you're scoring, you just don't feel like you have any control of the game because you can't get stops on the other end. And that's surely what the Timberwolves felt like two years ago, um, you know, in, in that series where they melted down against the Grizzlies. And this year, I mean, when you're an elite defensive team, like it doesn't matter whether you're making shots or missing shots. I mean, it does on some level because if, you know, the other team is is running in transition, obviously that's tougher to stop. But you can obviously can control how you play defensively, how locked in you are, how well you communicate, how well you rebound. Um, you know, all those things that are that are generally independent of, of how you perform offensively. And, you know, if that's able to, to translate for the rest of the season, um, there's going to be off nights from Anthony Edwards that they're still going to win. You're going to get really off nights from Carl Anthony Towns like you did tonight and they still won the game. Um, Rudy Gobert was two of 11 from the free throw line tonight and they still won the game. Um, so, you know, defense is really able to overcome a lot of shortcomings on the offensive end. If, if you can play at, at the level that the Timberwolves are playing right now and, and to do it against a team that is by far and away the number one offense in the league, it's proven that they're going to be able to do that this season. Yeah. 24 turnovers, 13 of 25, I believe, for free throws. Uh, that's usually a recipe for disaster, especially against such a veteran-laden, crafty team like the Celtics, but not tonight. They hold on. Um, You mentioned Ant. He got into foul trouble early. Three quick ones. He was forced to sit for a big chunk. Then he had to play with five fouls. It, it felt like the entire second half in overtime. It was really more so like the entire fourth quarter in overtime, but he still ends with 39 points, 38 minutes. It's just a bust out game, making big shots and big moments, living up to the hype, six for seven from three. And again, clutch buckets when they needed them the most. What'd you see from him tonight in such a big game? What were his kind of biggest highs and lows from this game tonight? Yeah, I think everything started right away. Um, and, and what, and what I mean by that is Ant took the right shots. You know, I was funny. I was getting ready to send a tweet that said, it seems like every single one of Anthony Edwards shots tonight has been a smart shot to take. And then he took a contested step back three as I was about to press send. And that was like his seventh or eighth shot of the game. Um, but when you take the right shots early on and you see him go in, you just find this rhythm that sustains for the rest of the game. And, um, and then you really saw that, you know, he come, he came off the bench cold in the fourth quarter and just walked into that game winning or not game winning, but go ahead um, you know, three pointer that they really needed when, when Towns was struggling there. Um, and, and I think it's just a composure level from him that when the game really kind of gets off the rails um, and the Timberwolves seem down and out, he just makes plays, whether it's for himself or others that, um, that really just infuse positive energy in the team. You know, I think we saw in that fourth quarter there, um, you know, he made an insane uh, after I believe it was Brown on the other end made a made a go ahead three pointer. He kind of takes the ball and, and collapses the defense, gets two or three guys on him, and then makes a crazy kickout pass to Jaden McDaniels for a game tying three pointer. At that point, um, it's just those types of plays where you just marvel at what he's able to do. Um, and it always and we saw it in the playoffs last year and two years ago that when when things really you know, the stakes really rise, tensions get really high. He just seems to be a smooth and calm operator. Um, and, and that certainly impacts other people on the floor and they just get right in line with him and, and ride him as, as, you know, as far as they can to the finish line. Yeah, he scored 11, I believe, in the first quarter. And he's been one of the league leaders in the entire NBA in first quarter points this year. And then also, too, what comes to mind when I think, and the last few days, his mid-game shooting has been a hot topic. Uh, he had a couple great quotes about how he's been really working on that part of his game, knowing, you, you know what, full well, hey, 
teams and defenses are going to hone in on me as far as stopping me in the paint and beyond the arc. So he wants to kind of master that in-between shot, so to speak. Anything specific you've seen from him in that department, whether it's tonight or just the entire season, all six games? Yeah, largely he's been he's really struggled in that area in the sense that he's taken a lot of tougher contested, you know, in between shots um, rather than than shooting from deep. He's shooting better than 50 percent from three. And he's and he was shooting about 37, 38 um, percent entering that jazz game from from the mid range area. Um, and the biggest thing for Ann is he's just got to, you know, take shots that are in rhythm. We You know, if he pump fakes a three pointer, gets a guy in the air and steps into an uncontested you know, mid-range two, that's great. We saw plenty of those today. Um, but it's just those, you know, those kind of step back contested mid-range shots that he's got to try to get rid of. And he did for the most part today. He took a lot of really, you know, smart mid-range shots. And um, and when he's in rhythm, that that's definitely a fine shot to take. And I think, you know, that's really where that isolation scoring really comes into play is, is you see when Ant's really feeling it, it's not that he's making these threes. It's not that he's getting all the way to the rim. It's that he's really able to take advantage of mismatches in the mid-range. And we saw plenty of that, especially down the stretch in, in fourth quarter and overtime, had a couple of really impressive bank shots, turnarounds um, that, that went his way. And, and Anthony Edwards is a completely different animal when he's scoring in the mid-range and he's confident in, in that area. Yeah, he puts together that part of his game. Watch out, man. It's almost unfair. Almost when, like a and when, when he makes those shots, it's scarily Jordan-esque. It, it really is. It really is. But, hey, we can't say that too soon. We can't say that. <laughs> um, I want to ask you, I don't want to, but I'm going to ask you about Cat here coming up. And then just a few more stats that kind of popped out for me tonight. But first, a quick word from our sponsors over at Game Time. Quick reminder, this episode is brought to us by Game Time because you should never have to worry when buying tickets to any big event. That's why Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets to any local event like concerts, comedy shows, sporting events, and even Broadway theater. And with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Personally for me, I love that view from the seat feature they offer so I can get a, a real look, an accurate visual on where my seats are going to be so I know exactly what to expect before spending all that money. And with their all-in prices, Game Time shows you exactly how much you're spending with no hidden fees. It's time to take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app and see for yourself just how easy it is. Create an account. Use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Again, just create any new account and redeem your code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Game Time, term supply. Before I get to Cat, just just one final recap on tonight. What does that win do for this team as far as confidence goes, uh, momentum, all the cliches in the book? Like, just how important is it when you can knock off a team like that in front of your home crowd? Yeah, you know, I kind of liken it to you know, you step into a class. You know, the first first kind of few classes of a semester, you don't really anticipate, you know, or, or you think you might do pretty well in the class. You're pretty interested in it. You do well in the first couple of assignments. You have that first midterm, right? And you just knock the midterm out of the park. You get a 96, a 97 on that midterm, and you're feeling really good about the rest of the semester in that class. And that's kind of what this game is like in the sense where, you know, you kind of had a feeling that the Timberwolves would be a really good defensive team because they have a lot of really strong defensive players on paper. Um, 
you know, do well on some of their first few assignments, um, even though there were some some bumps along the way. Um, and, and this was their their biggest test of the year by far. You know, we already knew that that, that they could defend this Denver Nuggets team, um, but going against a, a, a really talented uh, Boston Celtics offense, where they've you know they were missing Derek White tonight, obviously, but you know they've got four or five other guys that they could go for. 20, 25 points unannounced. And, and I mean, you, you saw three of them, I believe, went for went for at least uh, 20 and Porzingis, Brown and Tatum. And so the fact that, you know, it was on this big stage, a, a nice game at home, um, you know, best team in the league, only undefeated team in the league coming in. Um, you know, we've seen the Wolves kind of wilt in a lot of these situations the past couple of seasons, and it looked like they were going to. Um, and they just overcame all of their mistakes, uh, both mental and physical, um, in, in a really impressive way. And, and I think that that kind of displays the maturity and the growth in that area that, that Chris Finch has really been looking for and, and hoping to see out of his team. And um, and I think it gives fans more license to believe in this team um, in that, you know, th- this could very well be the best defense in the league. Uh, it has been by a mile so far. And if, and if they can stay healthy, I, I, you know, seeing what they did tonight against so many good isolation scores, there's, there's no reason to me why they can't continue to, to play at such a, such a high level on that end. Yeah. Well said, uh, you mentioned white was out for the Celtics tonight. is that the best Celtics roster you've seen in a while? I don't know the last couple of years and they've had some great rosters, but Tatum, Porzingis, Drew Holiday, Watching them tonight, just sitting down and watching them for the first time this year, I mean, that's a pretty disgusting roster, not going to lie. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, and when you think about uh, the fact that this team was in the you know, the finals two years ago and this roster is considerably better, in my opinion, than, than that team that, that went deep, um, it, it's just terrifying to think of. And when you think of the fact that, you know, Jason Tatum is one of the best defensive players in the NBA and then you add add arguably the best point of attack defender and, and Drew Holiday, and you already have one of the best rim protectors in the league on the back. I mean, it's that same three-level um, three level nightmare that the Timberwolves have going, but the but the difference is the Celtics are just a, another level offensively. Um, but, hey, Wolves got it done tonight, and that's, that's big for them. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from this win tonight, but just real quickly, let me ask you about Cat because I'm curious. And and also, there's a lot of venting going on in the chat room right now saying he's got to go. Trade him for whatever you can get, a bag of balls. I don't care. He hasn't been unlocked yet, right? That's fair to say. He falls out in this one, just seven points on the night, three from 10 from the field, one of seven from three. What needs to happen or what are you seeing out there through these first six games? Is it is it something we need to start worrying about or is this something we need to just kind of stay the course with? Yeah, you know, ironically, I think that, um, you know, the, the biggest thing Carl struggled with is the is the main thing that we've come to know him for, which is his three-point shooting. He's shooting under 20% from, uh, you know, from three in this, ser- or in this season. And I think the fact that, um, you know, the fact that he can't get that part of his game going, which has been the most bankable part, is, is kind of caused a little bit of an identity crisis for him so far in that, um, you know, and that he's struggled to get all of his other parts of his game going. It just feels like everything is forced right now. It doesn't seem like anything is really coming natural to him. Um, and I think when when that happens, um, you know, it's just really hard to, to find a rhythm and create for yourself. And um, I, I think the biggest thing for Carl is just start making three-pointers. And I think, you know, we saw him make that, that three atop of the key early in the third quarter. Um, and then he kind of got into that rhythm attacking Drew Holiday. 
Um, so for Carl, everything starts with that three point shot and then, you know, the rest hopefully will follow, but unfortunately for him, I mean, he's, he's already what 27, 27 now, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, and he still hasn't figured out how to, to gain any semblance of control of himself when he's, you know, driving against smaller defenders and just kind of flops and flails around and, uh, has all these really inopportune, um, offensive fouls that are just catastrophic to, to this offense right now. Um, you know, we saw it. We saw it in the third and fourth quarters. Um, and, and then again, like just his energy is so bad. Um, you saw that last play of the game, particularly uh, for him. It's so he, exhausting, he dude. It, it's yeah. so exhausting. And Jim Pete was all over it on the broadcast saying that there, that, you know, that that just kind of sucks all the energy out of, out of his teammates. And, and there's no question that that is a permeating effect across, um, you know, across every other player that's in the game. And, and that's un undeniably true. Um, and that's why I said that the Timberwolves kind of, you know, brought the game back from the brink when Cat put it there because of, of moments like that. And it's and it's why so many fans uh, have, have I don't want to say like turned on the guy because I mean, turn uh, just is like a little aggressive. But um, it's why so many people in the fan base are, are kind of ready uh, to see the Timberwolves try to go in a different direction. And, um, you know, that the energy of this game totally changed once once Towns fouled out for the better, uh, which is you know, something that obviously you don't want to have happen. And it reminded me a lot, actually, of that play-in game two years ago where Towns fouled out, I mm. want to say, with about seven minutes mm -hmm. left in that game. Yep. And everyone kind of thought, oh, well, this game's done. Um, you know, we had that bad energy. He wasn't rooting for his teammates, really, after he checked out. And I, I obviously wasn't in the arena tonight, so I couldn't tell. But on the broadcast, you know, you didn't really see him jumping around the same way as other teammates were. Um, and the Timberwolves found a way to, to cobble together a win shorthanded against a really good team. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing that, that Carl needs to change is, you know, is just his whining and his attitude because those are things that he's always going to be able to control, you know, regardless of whether a shot goes in or not. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate. Like, you know, I've gotten to know Carl a little bit. He's a really, really good human being. Um, and, and guys in that locker room really like Carl Anthony Towns, the dude. Um, and it's just unfortunate that, um, you know, that, that just doesn't necessarily translate to the game where, you know, he just can't control his emotions. Um, and, you know, funny enough, or ironically enough, when he controlled his emotions the most was when Patrick Beverly was around. Um, mm. and Patrick Beverly was really, really hard on Carl Anthony Towns and, and yelling at him to stop yelling at the officials and telling him that nobody can stop him. And I think Patrick Beverly was kind of a game changer for Carl and, and with, and, you know, without, Pat Bev, we've seen some of that, uh, you know, bad energy, I guess, come out, come out of Carl um, that, that we didn't even see at the end of last season once he returned from his injury, because I think he knew that um, and he was just so grateful to be playing. And now this year it's coming back again. So I think for Carl, it's, it's directly proportionate. Like when he's not whining and, and flopping and flailing and, you know, having this bad energy, he plays really well. And when he, has that type of energy he plays really poorly and, and unfortunately you know he's one of those players that either really adds or really subtracts to, to everything that's going on for this team and um you know the fact that he doesn't have necessarily the you know the this the self-understanding uh to know that that happens and and know you know and kind of bring himself back like all right carl come on i gotta stop like i gotta just chill out um, it shouldn't be on his teammates to have to tell him that all the time. I mean, it's not like he's a second or third year player anymore. This is his eighth year in the league and this is still happening. It's just, it, it's mind boggling at this point. Yeah. Um, that's what's frustrating. Know? 
It's like, yeah. if it hasn't changed by now, I mean, every year we've been saying, if it hasn't changed by now, right? Like, burn me once, shame on you, burn me twice, shame on me for expecting any, t you know, sort of drastic or dramatic change at this point. Certainly not the start we all hope for. We'll see what happens in the future as the season continues. Just real quick, we always give this guy love because he's been so good, but Rudy Gobert did have a nightmare night from the free throw line, just two of 11, as you called out. Outside of that, though, Six to six from the field, 14 points, 12 boards, plus minus of plus 24. I mean, how solid has this dude been through six games? Because I, I just can't give him enough love. I mean, even when this team has struggled, two losses on the year, okay. But I think you can almost certainly cross Rudy Gobert off the list of players to blame, right? Like, is this, the is this dare I say, the best you've seen him play in his career in this small sample size of just six games? Yeah, I don't know if necessarily I think it's the best he's played in his career just because I think, um, excuse me, he was more impactful offensively when he was sure. uh, at the peak That's of his fair. powers in Utah. I think just mm -hmm. because the whole offense was built around maximizing his talents. Um, and, you know, so much it was constant spread pick and roll and and giving him as much space in the lane to, to throw lobs and all that stuff. So that is not so I would say it's the best we've we've ever seen him, but certainly in a Minnesota Timberwolves uniform, this is the best and most impactful we've seen him. And I, and I think the biggest thing for Rudy uh, that, that helps him, you know, you know, maximize his impact offensively is that he's one of the best screen setters in the history of the NBA. And it's really hard to set screens um, for players that you don't know very well. Uh, and I think last year there was such a feeling out process of, of trying to get to know all these players because in Utah, he played with Jordan Clarkson and Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell and Joe Ingles and Bojan, and Bojan Bogdanovic and Royce O'Neal, all these guys that could, he could run pick and roll with or set screens for that he played with for three, four, five years. Um, and so when you lose that familiarity and that's such an important part of your game, it just takes a while for that to click. And I think this year, you know, pretty much every guy in the rotation uh, with the exception of Shake Milton, who barely played tonight, um, you know, our guys that he has played with a considerable amount, whether it was last year um, with the Wolves or, or in the past, obviously, with the Jazz, Mike Conley. Um, and we're seeing Rudy Gobert have a really good understanding now of when to set screens, how to set screens, where guys like screens to be set. Um, you know, all the, all those types of little things that really do make a huge impact in the game for a guy that sets as many screens as Gobert. Um, and then I think, too, the Timberwolves, you know, are figuring out how to space the floor a little bit better when, when he's on the floor and um, and open up more opportunities to throw him lobs. I, I haven't looked at the numbers quite yet, but I'd, I'd imagine that the amount of alley-oops and dunks that he's finishing per game is, is significantly higher than, than what it was last season. Um, and so all those things are really, really important to, to maximizing his offensive impact. And I think uh, Chris Finch deserves a lot of credit um, for really you know finding a way to, to make this work. And, and, and frankly, so does... Um, now, so does Tim Connolly for going out and getting Mike Connolly. Yes. Um, yep. I, I think that, uh, and, and again, we saw Mike Connolly's impact too down the stretch, had a huge floater, I think, to make it a two possession game in overtime um, in, the, or in, in, in the fourth quarter, one, either in the fourth quarter or overtime, uh, hit that huge three um, to give the Wolves some juice there in, in overtime as well. And, um, you know, I think that too, obviously, is, a, is an undeniable thing that's really helped, really helped Rudy. Yeah, well said. We could talk all night on that guy. That's how good he's been and how impressive. Sure. And, and you're right, Conley, certainly the glue bringing in um, so many pieces around him to make sure everything works. All right, I want to ask you about the schedule coming up and just where the Wolves go from here after such a big win just to close this thing out. But first, a quick word from FanDuel.
Quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line wager. That means all you have to do is find the best money line bet you like, wager $5, you win that bet, you're getting $150 in bonus bets back. If it were me, it's hard not to love the Cowboys over the Giants this week as 15-point favorites, especially with Daniel Jones out and their backup quarterback in. Put five bucks on the Cowboys to win straight up this Sunday and win yourself $150 in bonus bets back. It's that easy. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on all the action. The app, it's so easy to use, and they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it, they got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season, and it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today. America's number one sportsbook, FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Last couple before we wrap up here. Anything different or specific that you took note of, I guess, as far as certain rotations Coach Finch used tonight? Because first off, whatever he did, it obviously worked. But I know it's still so early in the season. I'm wondering if you're starting to see any trends or unique patterns now through these six games. Yeah, it's, I think, um, you know, one that, that isn't necessarily specific to tonight, um, but is but has been a really profitable lineup for the Timberwolves is the is the front court trio of Kyle Anderson, Nas Reed, and Carl Anthony Towns is one that's been been really really solid. And Finch has done a great job of of getting to those three guys. Um, you know whether it be kind of at the end of the first quarter and the second quarter, or end of the third quarter and the fourth quarter has kind of been the sweet spot for those guys. And and Slomo's done an awesome job of kind of bridging that that Nas and cat pairing together, which has been uh, a ton of fun to see. And they've been just a wrecking ball um, defensively, especially, which has been fun. Um, and then I, I'd say tonight, something that we saw that we hadn't really seen much of was Jaden McDaniels and Nikhil Alexander Walker, Walker playing mm-hmm. together. Um, yeah. And we saw that because, you know, Boston has three really, really elite, uh, you know, guard wings, handlers, whatever you want to call them in holiday Brown and Tatum. And so you needed both of those guys out there at the same time for stretches when uh, when Boston had those guys on the floor, especially when Anthony Edwards was in foul trouble. That just kind of necessitated, you know, them having two of those three, you know, wing defenders out there at the same time. So that was that was fun to see. And we've also seen um, Finch experiment a little bit with putting Nas Reed at the five to uh, try and infuse some offense into the game at points when the offense gets kind of bogged down and sticky and the ball doesn't move as well. The players aren't moving, gets into this more isolation offense um, where you can just tell things aren't really in a good rhythm. Um, so that's something I've seen too. That's, that's been really, uh, really fun to watch. Um, but the, but the biggest thing for me is that, um, you know, I, I think Finch, especially tonight did a really good job of finding lineup combinations that worked, whether it was for like, two or three or four minutes to try to buy him some time um, while guys were in foul trouble with, with Carl Anthony Towns in foul trouble early in the first half uh, and then Ant in foul trouble really in the second half. I thought the way that he was able to cobble together lineups that they haven't really used much to get much so far this season um, to steal little pockets of minutes and still really keep their defensive intensity and execution at a really high level, I think is something that is going to really go unnoticed in a game like this because of how, well, Ant and Jaden and, and Mike Conley too played at the end of that game. Um, 
but I thought this was a really, really well coached uh, game from Chris Finch outside of that, that decision to challenge that Jaden McDaniels um, foul on that Tatum jump shot. But ultimately that's not Finch's decision. That's, that's coming from, um, you know, the quality control coach, Jeff Newton, who has a, the computer behind the bench, but at any rate, um, you know, really think that, that he's done a good job managing that rotation and, um, and finding combinations that have worked, which is really difficult to do, especially given the kind of unique setup of this Timberwolves roster at such an early point in the season. Uh, those were some great points, by the way, and I'm very interested and in, intrigued, curious, you name it, to see if those trends continue here moving forward. Because again, whatever they did tonight, it worked. Props to Coach Finch. Wolves knock off the Celtics 114-109, win their third in a row. They moved to four and two. Huge shout out to everyone that joined us on tonight's postcast. Rest assured, we'll be back each and every game, same time, same place, right here to break it all down. Quick reminder as well, go check out Jack each and every week on the Minnesota Basketball Park. Party with Sam Ekstrom, Ben Beacon, Ron Johnson, Carol Evans, very own Reggie Wilson. They're pumping out everything you need to know all season long about your Minnesota Timberwolves right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota channel. That'll do it for us tonight in game six. Wolves beat the Celtics. Next on deck, it's the Pelicans at home once again. Their fourth home game in a row, by the way. Tip off 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Follow us on X at Luke underscore Spinman at J.R. Borman 13 and follow all our work over at the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. And of course, follow Ben Beacon over on the Lockdown Wolves podcast as well. He's Jack Borman. I'm Luke Inman. Until next time, signing out.